Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about a dozen years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. This is Phil Stevens. I run Strength Guild and USSF. I'm a competitive powerlifter and Highland Games athlete. This is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm an instructor for exercise physiology, run my own business, and enjoy lifting stuff. And joining us today, we have two-thirds of the strongest family in the world. <laughs> so, um, Ernie, Ernie Sr. and Ernie Jr., uh, Lillibridge, are on the line with us. Guys, thanks for joining us. Um, geez, let's start with, with senior. How did, you know, basically how we start this out usually is how people got into lifting and, and seeing as you're the, the father of this group, um, how'd you get started in, in just strength sports or lifting in general? Oh, a long, long time ago, uh, grew up in Chicago, kind of a, kind of a really bad area and got into lifting and, uh, into fighting and uh, just to, uh, to better myself and. Uh, got got hooked into the the powerlifting uh, around 16 and started competing then. It's been uh, a little over 28 years. Very 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 long, very uh, fruitful career. Had a great time in it. But uh, that that was really for the roots of it. it was just for self preservation, nothing more. Yeah, and then the, yeah, you, you talk about longevity, which we'll get into later. But I mean, that's pretty impressive. Going 28 years and still putting up big numbers and and. You know, knocking on records and things. Still, still uh, chipping away, just uh, coming back from another injury. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, 2013 looking uh, looking very optimistic. Looking to take down a few more big records. Absolutely. Nice. That's always the uh, the game plan. No matter how much you've done, uh, always hungry to do a little bit more. Yeah. That's, that's the the driving force behind it for sure. And what about what about you, Junior? I mean, you just kind of follow in your dad's footsteps, or what got you going into uh, it? Yeah, for the most part, just uh, got into powerlifting through uh, high school and middle school, whatnot. Uh, just trying to get stronger, like for wrestling, and uh, just been bit ever since then, you know. So we're going to go to listener questions. I got, I got some, some, some that are, that are pretty good, some pretty, pretty comical ones. Um, you know, everything from what's what's it like to be a very rich pro powerlifter family? Do you get a tour bus? <laughs> Uh, I wish. <laughs> That's one of the things with powerlifting, man. It's it's one of those sports where you literally have to love it to to do it. I mean, it's kind of I, I guess Olympic weightlifting is the same, but um, no. The first question I think that a lot of people wanted this is: you guys always seem to train in singlets. Is there a reason for that? I mean, uh, just kind of my thing, man. You know, you get beaten singlets, so why not lift them? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll do about ten meets a year, so. No, I was just wondering because we talk about this often. I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's like other sports. I mean, like wrestling, for example, where you wear a singlet too. I mean, you know, when you put that thing on, it's game time. Um, I just didn't Absolutely. know if that had something to do with it. It was like, okay, you know, I got my uniform on. It's time to be serious. Yeah, that that does play a, a big role in it, but also the performance you get out of it, um, especially with the the belt. I mean, if you got a loose T-shirt on, mm-hmm. there's a, a good probability of the the belt getting bunched up in there, or the T-shirt getting bunched up in the belt. 
the, the fitment isn't 100%. Um, when deadlifting, you know, you don't want loose pants on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want the bar getting stuck. You, you want to make it as, as close to the competition as possible. So come game time, there's no surprises, yes. no changes. We, we try to emulate the competition as close as possible in our training to give us the advantage into the competition. Okay. And uh, the, the singlets, um, like you said, we, we competed this past year, both of us did 10 meets. So we're, oh. we're pretty much peaking constantly and, and getting ready for competition. So it just uh, seems to fit the bill, really. Yeah. You're, you're very comfortable in your in your skin, and, yeah. and that's our, our skin and our singlet. <laughs> <laughs> Here's kind of a a double edged question because there's two people, but the, the questions play well together. Um, basically, what are some of the habits you picked up earlier on in your career you wish you hadn't, and then what are some of the habits you wish you had? Uh, me personally, um, picked up early was trading alone. I never trained with anybody or under anybody. Um, I, I, I trained without any equipment. I was 100% raw for the first 16 years of my career. No belt, no knee wraps. So looking back, <laughs> I probably would have wore them a lot sooner. Uh, would have prevented a lot of body parts from getting worn out, uh, honestly, especially approaching the heavier loads and the, the repetitive motion. Um, that would probably be about it. Other than that, it's, it's a learning experience, and you, you you go with where it takes you and have fun. There's nothing right or wrong. It's just all part of life. Put it together and have fun with it. Um, along those same lines, you know, we talked about training alone and stuff like that. Uh, Cindy has a question. For those of us with online programming who often train alone, what can we do to maximize our training when we don't have training partners and there's no powerlifting culture at our gym? And let's let's play into the importance of that that kind of group mentality. <laughs> that's going to be extremely difficult to, to get the, the most benefit out of it. Uh, I mean, for us, I mean, you, you need you need the spotters. I mean, for, for the bench, you need someone to hand off to you so you're not busting up your shoulders, uh, lifting off. And there's some guys that are, and girls that get away with it, but um, that's a big a big one. Mm-hmm. And then for, for squatting, um, you know, we, we use the monolith. If you're, if you're looking at the cage, and again, I've done that for years, and, and walking it out, it's just... Um, it's very, very, very difficult without the aid of a spotter, mm-hmm. someone to assist you. When you start approaching above the 95% mark, um, there, there's a, a high probability that, you know, things can go wrong and, and you might miss a lift or you need spotters to keep an eye on things, uh, your form, your technique, how the lift is performed and the way you feel it to be might not be the way that it actually looks. Mm-hmm. So having good eyes on you is imperative to correcting any potential problems and to make sure that the lift was performed correctly. Um, again, it, it's extremely, extremely difficult. And my heart goes out to them because I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. When you start doing towards the, the higher levels and hitting the big numbers, uh, again, there's a few people out there that still do it, but I would highly recommend against it. If you have all possibilities, uh, and even, not even if, you know joining a gym, but a training partner, mm-hmm. someone. It, it, it's just imperative to have that uh, for at least the, the sake of safe, safety. Honestly, it's, it's it can be very dangerous. You start approaching those bigger numbers. Yeah, and I think we've we've talked about the importance of that before. And I mean, for me, you know, 
it, it's so important that, I mean, I was willing to travel for it. And I mean, if you guys had the same situation, like at one point I was living in Northern California and I was driving an hour and 15 minutes each way to train with Jesse Burdick and Mark Bell, you know, yeah. and it's worth it. You know, it's just, and that's, people don't understand that. I mean, at a, at a fairly high level, it's like you give up to do well, you know, you give up other parts. Um, and if that means driving an hour and 20 minutes each way, it means that driving an hour and 20 minutes each way because it, it's, it means that much of your training. You're going to drive that far to compete, if, if not more. I mean, we go all mm-hmm. over the world. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, to train and to train isn't necessarily bigger and stronger, but just a variety of people. You get to see things performed just a little bit differently. Yeah. And um, it, you, you never know. Uh, watching someone else perform the list, it's like, wow, let me try that. Or that might work for me. That might be the one thing I was missing. Or vice versa. You might be able to do that step. It, it really, the interaction is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's my opinion on it. And again, there might be others that disagree, but uh, I've been doing this a long time, man, and that, that's my take on it. Having other good people around you is imperative for both growth and for safety. Let's talk about injuries for a minute. Um, you know, everybody's had them, and I know you, you guys are, you're currently facing one, you said, and, you know, we've all had them. What do we do then, you know? I mean, there's no way around them at a high level. I mean, it's just going to happen. Everybody's going to have nicks and scrapes. But, I mean, do we start, you know, changing programming? You know, like you said, this is an ongoing process. So how's your training evolved over the years, and do you see it evolving more now? do a lot of prehab work, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just part of the, the uh, regime of, of fitting it in. We're always doing a lot of accessory work to, to maximize um, – the, the safety and to the, the benefit of having muscle growth, flexibility, mobility. But uh, again, at the top level, I mean, look at any uh, sport. I mean, look, look at racing. If you're not breaking parts, you're mm-hmm. not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. That, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. And we're constantly pushing the envelope. When you start getting above that 95% mark, you can only do that so many times without uh, the, the risk of a, of a failure. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it happens. And honestly, quite often, you know, like you said, it's usually a little bumper scratch or something along the way, a little nagging injury. But there's there's major injuries that happen. They mm-hmm. just do. Um, you prepare for, you know, the, the the best and, you know, and deal with the worst. I mean, unfortunately, that's just, just the way it happens. Yeah. I can't think of anyone that's gone their career injury-free. Yeah. Not really. Now, and, and the longer you're in it, and, and this is a paradox, and it sounds kind of silly, but it, it's extremely true. The longer you're in it, and the stronger you become, and the better you become, your odds of getting injured are greater, not less. Mm. Much greater. Just for the sheer fact that you're handling higher numbers, and the probability of an accident uh, or mishap occurring becomes much, much greater. Honestly, yeah. it's very, very, very hard to stay injury-free. Yeah. Um, it just is. Uh, but what do you do? Take a, a back seat and not push the envelope? Mm-hmm. No, that's not what we do. Yeah. We're pushing every time. Every training day to us is a, another competition. We're pushing as hard as you can every single time. And, you, and that, that, you know, in, in a nutshell, is the key to our success is the intensity. You've you got to go for it. You can't be afraid of that. If, if you are, you're always going to hold yourself back. So when, when we're out there, what you see is what you get. We're not sandbagging. That's everything we got. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. You know, you talked about you guys each did like 10 meets last year. So, I mean, is there an off season? You know, how does your training change? Um, this year we're, we're, we're looking at possibly cutting it in half. But in, in all honesty, the reason we do it is because we love doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we have some, you know, some really good sponsors that, that help offset the cost. And I, I don't want to get into that or, you know, but it, 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 we're not in it for the money, obviously. We're in it for the love of the mm-hmm. sport. And if someone gives you the opportunity, hey, do you want to compete again? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. We're not prima donnas or, no, nah, we only do two meets a year. Absolutely not. Even if I'm not at 100%, I'm still going to go out there and have fun and give it my best. Always. It's for the love of the sport and, and, and for the, the, the love of the competition and, you know, camaraderie amongst your friends. Really. There's no one that's talk with that any animosity towards one another. Everyone's pretty much like a, a big family. It's a bunch of friends. Yeah. And uh, the meets are like family reunions, just getting back together and having a good time. Uh, it just so happens that the event is near upon stage lifting in between, and everyone's really cool with one another. It doesn't matter. Different state, different country. Everyone's pretty much in the same boat at, at that point. Uh, and, and, and it's uh, it, it's very um, comforting to see that, honestly. It, it really is. It, it's a great sport to be part of. And, and the more competition, it allows you just to be a bigger part of it. I love it, honestly. But the reason you might be cutting back a little bit this year, um, because of the injuries, might want to just tone it back just a little bit, try to minimize a little bit more injury. So we'll probably compete, I don't know, six to eight times. You know, if there's a couple meets that are running real close to each other, yeah, I'm sure we do 10 again, for sure. But that's the plan as of right now. Uh, yeah. Probably keep it down to about six or eight. Um, I got a question, because I've been wondering this since it, since it went up. You know, Eric just went out and recently what, broke a 30-some-year-old record um, shortly after the GPA. Was that meet planned out, or, you know, he had what some people would call, looking at his training, a subpar GPA meet? Did you guys just find one then shortly after that so he could come out and hit what he was, you know, able to do? Uh, you know, at, at that point he was pretty much um, already peaked, so just uh-huh. a bridge and, and stay peaked for an, another three and a half weeks wasn't mm-hmm. a big deal. He was kind of disappointed with the performance that uh, we had in Australia, um, kind of a, a real whippy squat bar. Mm-hmm. And, and, hey, we're pros, and, you know, you, you, you should, you know, um, prepare for that, but we, we weren't. We didn't train with that bar. Yeah. The bar we were training with was a little bit different, and uh, it's just a, a variable that you, you can't uh, foresee. And it, 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 because of that, he missed the second attempt squat and third, mm-hmm. and that put his pool back quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just, you know, again, he was peaked and wanted to do it. Um, he took uh, some time off. That was December 6th. And he'll be competing again at the end of this month. Yeah. It's just as needs come up, you start feeling good again. It, it's a very, it's a very quick process. Right? Um, or I, I'm really upset because I didn't get my number. To hey, I'm ready to compete again. Yeah. Really. And, and, and you'll see that a lot of people, a lot of hungry lifters, uh, are just never satisfied, and they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And it's just for the love of the sport mm-hmm. and, and to push yourself to see how far you can go. And, uh, and and equally impressive, if not more so, uh, was Ernie. He, he took a couple of uh, 30, 40 year old records, mm-hmm. breaking uh, the 2000 barrier uh, in the 198 class. That was his own record that he uh, rebroke. And that's just 
phenomenal. Yeah. Even, you know, 10 years ago, the, the super heavyweights were barely hitting, and now there's guys under 200 pounds doing it. It's just, uh, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. It's a lot of freaking weight, man. Yeah. Uh, Junior, that's a good segue on to you. I mean, everybody's asking, you know, you guys are starting to own all these records. Um, Ernie Jr., where, where do you see, how far do you see yourself going, and what's your next goal? I mean, uh, looking to uh, do some more meets at the 220 class and prefer to move up to 242. Mm-hmm. That's the next thing. There's uh, records in the 220 I'd like to, you know, shoot for. And I mean, some of these. You got records now that are falling. What do you guys think is is the the cause of it? You got records now that are falling that are twenty and thirty years old that just stood. What what has changed now? I mean, it's like I mean we can't say that training has gotten that much more better. I mean because not too much the, the training. In all honesty, I believe that the the rebirth of the the raw era mm-hmm. when we started doing this. I've been raw forever. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it, it pretty much it was on the brink of extinction. I remember meets and meets and meets we'd go to for for years on end, and we'd be the only raw guys there. Mm-hmm. Um, into the, the the mid maybe ten years ago, if not even the last five or so, uh, it's it's really um, a big spark, a, a big interest has has been re-sparked, so to speak. So I, I believe that there's a lot of talent out there that always was there. They just weren't pursuing it. So it's just a, a um, a, a switch in priorities, I guess. Because a lot of guys in gear are ridiculously strong. That's yeah. what they still chose to lift in, in the gear. Now that there's more interest in the raw, you're just seeing a lot more people uh, doing it. And I, I believe that's why. It's yeah. just a, a higher number of people trying. And the, the competition that it brings forth um, is just tremendous. And if one person does it or gets close to it, there's someone else watching. And once it's been done, it can be duplicated. Yeah. Charting, charting the uh, the territory, the uncharted territory, and breaking new ground is always difficult. But once it's been done, it's it's just ridiculous how fast other people follow suit. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a mental thing, but as soon as someone does it, there'll be five more people that duplicate it. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing a lot in, in, in the powerlifting and all the records are just being, you know, demolished very, very rapidly. There's very few that still stand. And most of them will probably be taken uh, in this calendar year of 2015. A lot of guys getting ready to, to take down those big numbers. Mm-hmm. And no disrespect to the older guys that those records have been standing for 40 plus years. They're tremendous. It's just there's so many hungry people now, and they're coming for them. And uh, I, I believe that most of them will probably fall this year. No, that, that's an interesting take on it because we've talked about it numerous times. I've been powerlifting for probably 15 years, and 10 years ago, I was the raw guy. You know, I'd show up at a meet, yeah. and, and it was like, oh, here's what, what are you doing? Where's the rest of your stuff? But, um, exactly. and now you're seeing, you know, the, the Russians come on the scene in the raw and, and everything else. It, it's an interesting time in, in raw powerlifting for sure. Um, extremely interesting, very good thing to be a part of for sure. Very great time in history. Back to the, back to the injuries just for a second. Um, one of the people, Gene had a question of how do you guys stay motivated then? when you have an injury or just a low point in training, what do you guys do day-to-day to deal with that? You know, in all honesty, me, I'm always looking past that. You're looking forward to that competition, and it, it's a self-motivating thing. It, it, it's the, the, the main word I would imagine uh, would be desire um, and, and willpower. It's something you have or you don't. 
that's that's not something that anyone's ever going to give you or someone that's going to teach you to have. If the desire's there, you'll always, it'll be burning in you. And if you just look at it as a, a bump in the road and you look past it, you know, that's not your focal point. You're not concentrating on the injury. You're concentrating on getting to that meet and breaking those records and correcting any imperfections that you might have had that caused that injury to prevent it from happening again. The, the desire has to be there. And I would probably go with that. So if you're doubting yourself, um, you know, that's a personal issue. I mean, we also, you know, it, it's, a, it's a self thing, but it's the team. You know, we're around 30 plus people a couple times a week that again are in of the same feather, extremely motivated and very, very hungry to, to take records. So, what about you, Junior? Junior, you got anything to add to that? Uh, pretty much the same thing, man. Just always motivated for the most part. Um, you know, if I get injured like I am now, just looking to well, basically get better and get back on the platform, honestly. Never, never no negativity towards it or uh, upset about it. Just eager to heal up and move forward. That's one thing. I mean, we've talked about it a lot with myself because I'm, I mean, I'm, I've been riddled with things. And I always looked at it as, you know, you have two choices. You can look at it as you can get down on yourself or it's just like, well, this is my next challenge. You know, okay, now the PRs are wiped clean. So let's hit new ones. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So it's like, what can I do to get past this? And, you know, so. You're absolutely right. You got to look at it as a challenge. And it's, it's only a, a lesson that needed to be learned. There was a, an imperfection or something that was done incorrectly that resulted in the injury. So you look at that very closely and uh, try not to repeat it. Find out what the problem was and correct it so it doesn't happen again. So we talked about raw powerlifting and the resurgence of that. Eric Frost wonders if you guys ever have plans of competing in gear. No. No. Yeah, we tried it before. Just wasn't our thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we won't expand on that. How many days, Lisa's wondering, how many days per week have you found most effective to train each lift? Honestly, one. We perform the movements, uh, but then there's, there's accessory work that's done probably three times a week. The, the, the movements are just that, they're movements, they're not movements. So you train the movement and, and then you break it down and train all the muscle groups individually that will strengthen that movement. And that might vary on a week-to-week basis depending upon how your performance was. Where was the weakness? Mm-hmm. What was breaking down first? And that would be the first thing to be attacked in the accessory work to bring up that deficiency. And that's why we're always videotaping and talking amongst ourselves, not only what we did right, what we did wrong, what didn't look 100%, uh, so it could be corrected. That's the very, very important part. Um, we're, we have our own program, I guess, you know, it's, it's unorthodox, it's a little bit different, but uh, it's, it's extremely brutal and it's extremely successful. Um, I, everyone that's tried it has made great, great gains off of it, and, and that's just our take on it. Performing the movement more than once a week, uh, it, it just takes from you. You can, moving the big weights is cool, and, and, and all, but it, the key is recovery. Mm. If you really rested your ass and gave it all you had, you're not going to be able to do it twice. Yeah. And, and, and that, again, that's just our take. Those guys do it five times a week. Hey, hats off to you. But, uh, not bragging, but we got a lot of records. <laughs> really. I'm not doing my method is better than anyone else's. Hey, to each your own. But this is what works for us. Um, on the accessory work, I know one of the things that I adopted, one, you know, early on I was getting more injuries when 
you know, I was probably given too much emphasis to the accessory work. It's like I was turning my accessory work into an event as well. Like I'm a firm believer in like what you were just talking about. It, okay, it's time to squat. I'm going to squat. And if I'm not having trouble walking afterwards, I didn't squat. You know, so and then I try to push that in. Okay, now I need to do good mornings. Now I need to do this, and it was, you know, I tried to bring that same emphasis. And I think it was when I trained up with with Mark Bell and Jesse Burdick to where, you know, the whole we're gonna do a few for some on the accessory work, and it's just like, not saying that you don't work hard, but man, it's accessory work. And if you try and bring that intensity you do to say a squat or a deadlift or a bench to everything, you're just gonna get yourself in trouble. I mean, would you guys say that's the same mentality or? Absolutely accurate. Our, our accessory work was more um, we closer to a, a bodybuilding where everything is strict, controlled, and usually way less than fifty percent. Mm. Going very light. Uh, obviously, in powerlifting, everything is explosive singles, and our accessory training reps are probably between fifteen and twenty. Very slow, very controlled, um, and, and working the actual muscle, I'm not trying to cheat it or. It's and, 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 and again, it's, it's not even like you're saying, uh, you keep that at a fast pace, a good tempo, um, not, not so much cardio, but you know, it, it's not very difficult, it's just time consuming. It, it's no intensity, very, very little. If, if you still got intensity to give, you didn't give all you could on the platform, really. When you walk off the platform from your heavy lifts, you need to have a, a wheelbarrow waiting for you. you, you go all out. <laughs> Honestly, that, that's where it is. The easy intensity and the placement of that intensity. If you're putting all your focus into your accessory work, then you're missing the point. Yeah. Um, Ernie Jr., your dad mentioned you yeah. know, like uh, stretching and rehab, and uh, not rehab, but I guess prehab and stuff like that. How much emphasis do you guys put on, say, stretching, chiropractic, etc.? Not too much. Maybe about five, ten minutes before uh, like squats and benching. You know, just get warmed up, put some muscle up on, stretch out, and then pretty much good to go. I really don't like stretching out too much after I'm already in my sets. Um, I like to stay tight. Um, if you keep stretching, you know, you're more prone to actually tear a muscle when you're uh, either squatting or benching because you're overstretching that muscle. Um, let's move on to auto racing. How would you guys get into that? Oh, um, again, that, that's, <clears throat> that's a pastime since I was a kid, just uh, hanging out at the drag strip. Um just a, a pastime, just always had a passion for fast cars, and of course street racing is illegal, so if you want some fast cars you got to go to the drag strip and uh, that's, uh, that's been a part of my life uh, forever, as long as I can remember always just hanging out at the drag strip and uh, liking fast cars yeah. What What's your guys' best quarter mile time to each of you? Uh, 10.90 <laughs> for me I can personally run a quarter mile in about 2.7 minutes. So. So everybody's asking about weight. Um, you know, you guys all seem to go up. So uh, do you guys ever have times of uh, leaning out and things like that or any plans of it? And what, what would you do to do that? Look at Ernie. He was up in the two closer to 250, you know, five years ago, and he's been coming down 242, 220, competing out at 198. Uh, he's really lean. Uh, yeah. Eric has been growing into the, the 308 class. I've been a 308er for, oh, geez, probably the past 12 years or so. 
And it, it, you always go up, go down, go up, go down, you know, depending upon uh, your injury or, uh, uh, you know, what, what have you. But you're, you're, you're always, you know, not, not that aesthetics lead by any means, you know, always form will follow function. Um, always. You gotta, it's got to be practical, otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, you're wasting your time. But, yeah, you, you, we stay fairly in good shape. And in all honesty, you know, to, for the most part, it's just genetics. Really, Eric can eat straight garbage. Uh, <laughs> get away with it, really. Um, my metabolism is, you know, not as good as it used to be, but pretty much the same way. And, and, and their mom has the same genetics, so uh, it can get away with eating quite a bit. And uh, the workouts are extremely brutal. So, uh, it's... Not necessarily a bad thing. You need all the calories you can get to yeah. cover and, and grow. You know, there's been said many times there's no such thing as a bad calorie when you're trying to grow. Your body needs them. Uh, Absolutely. For when you, you come down to the 198, you know, from, you know, 220, yeah, it, it's a very tight diet mm-hmm. for sure. I'm, I'm sure he can give you a lot more insight than I could. I know, Lonnie, you had a, a comment or a question on the genetic part of it. It's probably a good segue. Oh, well, yeah, just the fact that you guys are all family. You know, I I wonder what you would say to uh, listeners that say, well, this is just genetics or, you know, or how much of this is something they do special with their training, you know, as opposed to gene pool. You know what I mean? I, what, what are your thoughts sure. on that? How much of it, this is purely genetics versus training, lifestyle, the way you live? You know what I mean? I, I, in all honesty, I would probably say that genetics play a very, very, very small role. In, in all honesty, that's just for um, perhaps the ability uh, to stay lean, the ability to make gains. But if your desire is there, um, th- those are those those small little physical things can be overcome very, very quickly. And uh, again, um, looking at the other lifters on our team, um, geez, uh, there's three guys squatting a thousand. Uh, three guys squatting in the nines. I lost count of how many guys can squat o- over eight. I mean, even all the way down to our 165, we're squatting over 700. So to say genetics, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. And we have a girl; she's a world record holder in the squat. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's technique, obviously. Really, the, the gene pool only goes to the far as the three of us. And there's, jeez. Oh, um, at least 25 people on the team are, are top ranked in the nation. So is it more the training, do you think? Uh, is it just like the culture? Uh, what do you think it is that sets you guys apart? The, the burning desire to do better. And, and that, that's that's pretty much everyone on the team is extremely competitive. Not with one another, but with themselves. And, and that's the driving force. Um, train on Christmas Day, New Year's, train at midnight. Uh, I couldn't get these people not to show up. They're they're driven. They're yeah. dedicated. They're, they're there because they want to be there. They don't make excuses. Never. There's there's never a cold day, rainy day, snow day. Everyone's there. They're pissed off when they can't train. Yeah. Really. It's very, very, very driven, very goal-oriented, very like-minded individuals doing the same thing. There's no complaining. Everyone's in there just to train. It's the, it's the environment and the... Uh, the work ethic is brought about from the, the, the same mindset, for sure. The bad attitude, you're, you're limited, very limited. The guy with a good attitude, or female for that matter, yep. this guy's the limit. The, the, the success isn't going to come overnight, but uh, it's going to come, no doubt about it. And it's gonna, it'll far surpass someone who's gifted and lazy, yeah. for sure. 
for sure. We see that all the time. Uh, the vast majority of our team is, is a bunch of underdogs. They're just people that refuse to quit and yeah. are, are successful by uh, default. They don't quit. Never. Just uh-huh. very, very driven. Uh, and then you, you quickly surpass your goals and, and keep moving forward. Um, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's quite impressive, honestly. Very, very little, what I say, is, is due to uh, genetics on anyone's behalf. A lot of desire, for sure. Let's let's get ready to end it, and let's each of you, I don't know, give two things that, that um, two tips that people can use, or two tips that you think most people are missing the boat on. Um, whoever wants to go first, it doesn't matter to me. <sighs> from, from what we see and in and, 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 and our perspective, I mean, and it's probably going to be skewed, because we're just around woodlifters all the time. We don't work in a commercial gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the stuff you see on the Internet of, of people doing goofball stuff, uh, we're never exposed to that. It, it's a powerlifting gym, and we're around other like-minded powerlifters, and everyone that seeks us out uh, has desire and talent and, and fits in uh, very easily. Um, advice, stay driven, stay motivated, um, be humble, seek advice from other people, you know, that are qualified to, to give it. Um, one wasn't built in a day, you've got to be persistent. It, very, very few times does uh, success happen quickly. And, and when it does, it's like that fizzle in the pan. Where, where's your staying power? That's great. You hit a big number. Where are you next year? Where are you in five years? Is it just a, a passing fancy or is it an actual passion that you have for the sport? That's, that, those are questions only could answer by yourself, I guess. Um, well, that, that, that's, that's a pretty tough question. <laughs> yeah. It is. Advice, have fun. Yeah. Have fun. What about you, Junior? Uh, for me, uh, you know, my best advice is, uh, you know, always have good form, honestly. Forming is uh, better than having bad form. You know, you want to learn the best of form to continue on and stay injury-free as long as you can. And another thing I see a lot is people always try to compare themselves to other lifters. Compare yourself to yourself, man. Don't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. So when people get on the internet and they'll, you know, watch these YouTube videos and just beat themselves up because they can't do these numbers, you know, and you have to explain to them, you know, these guys have been training for 10 years, man, or, you know, whatever the case is. You're not going to do this overnight or in a week or a month. You know, the common question I get asked is, how can you get me, you know, to squat 700 pounds in the next 30 days? It's impossible. <laughs> if you're at 400 pounds, I'm not going to get you at 700. Yeah. Um, I want to end it with one last thing. It's more of a comment than a question, and it's one we've gotten numerous times with, with usually pretty much anybody that's at the top of the game. I mean, you hear it in powerlifting. You hear it in every sport. It's, you know, there's an asshole in every wood pile, but it's usually not the top guys. And and this guy, Max, just wanted to thank you guys for just being so nice. He said Ernie Sr. just chatted with his wife at one of his meets and just that you guys were very welcoming and we hear that all the time like we had eddie cohen on and you always hear it about him and things like that he's the first one people that come up and give advice and a handshake and things like that so he just want to thank you guys for for being that way as well so that's just who we are i mean um i, I couldn't imagine being anything other than that i had the opportunity of growing up in a, in a much different era and a lot of the lifters were not nice they, they mm-hmm. weren't not just the top guys just everyone in general um not just at the competitions, just people themselves, they're, they're pretty seclusive and arrogant. 
I, 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 that's just not me. I could never be that person. Mm-hmm. I'm always the guy for the, the little guy. Uh, I, I don't like bullies. Never did. I despise that. So we do everything to the opposite. Um, promoting it is from the bottom up, not from that, just at the top. When you see us at meets, uh, yeah, we're hanging around with the other top guys, but most of the time you'll see us talking to uh, the newbies. Uh, that's the future of the sport. Yeah. How you, how you uh, act around them, hopefully, and, and you know, uh, they'll emulate your, your actions and, and keep a good thing going. And that's what we do. And it's not, you know, to receive a pat on the back or anything. That's just the people we are. Uh, we, we stay strong and stay successful. Like, like doing the right thing and teaching others to do the same. Uh, even the intermediates. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, overlooking etiquette that's never been, uh, taught. So you, you, you pick it up. And like you're saying, Ed Coney is just a, a gentleman, a true ambassador. Not to mention, you know, the greatest of all time. So. Well, we'll call it there. I just want to thank you guys for coming on. It, it was a great show. Thanks for thanks for coming on and answering all those questions. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having us. We often sure. revisit, you know, people. So we'll let you guys do some some butt kicking in 2015, and maybe I'll give you another call. Well, that would That'd be great. great. For having us on, I really appreciate it. And uh, you guys have a wonderful new year as well, my friend. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations protein powders that we know to be good uh, knee sleeves wraps of some kind things that fortress uses in his own training Uh, the stuff you, you see you know is good this way you don't waste time so check out the iron radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums, and certainly you can request products, and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast 
and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.